to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Moore fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Score! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi gets loose and Bergeron scores. There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back for the 24th episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is the legendary Terry O'Reilly edition. I'm Mark, and would like to welcome my co-host, Rob, back to the program. Rob, what's up, buddy? I am I'm good, pal. How are you doing? Good. Uh, we just got done with a three-day weekend, uh, celebrating our Labor Day weekend. So it's been good. Yeah. It's been a lot of rest, a lot of work, um, but good regardless. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend's been good. Went away, got drunk, <laughs> had a had a good time. Nice. Always good. Nice. Well, some interesting topics we're going to talk about this week, folks. But um, first of all, Rob would like to say something. Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to some of the guys from my hockey team that I play for. Uh, we just finished our season recently and uh, we had a good year. But everyone's always asking for a shout out and to be mentioned. So Mike McLaughlin, uh, there's... Walshy, our captain, and Mark Mark Higson as well. So, nice. you guys are the best. Nice. Congratulations on a great season. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. So, um, yeah. So I, 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 we're coming into this episode, and I'm just a little, I'm not really happy about certain things that are going on with the Bruins right now, and we're going to touch on those uh, uh, very shortly. But to help in my therapy, along with Rob, I'd like to uh, welcome back to the show, a friend of the show, uh, diehard Bruins fan and writer at thecausewaycrowd.com, Andrew Thompson. Andrew, welcome back to the show, my friend. Guys, I'm always happy to be here. Awesome. We appreciate that. We appreciate your time. I've been scheduling you for a couple weeks now, and and I'm really glad that uh, we, we found time to get together. All it took was a little threatening. Nah, I like it. <laughs> you weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> oh, why lie? All right. All right. So let's, right. All right. So let's just jump right into it um, with my anger issues. Um, the Dominic Moore signing recently is one that I just don't understand. Um, I get the I get the the veteran presence. Um, what I don't, I don't believe in the locker room crap. I don't even want to go there. But the guy is good at face-offs. 
What I'm trying to figure out from this organization is why do they always pick the players that have a good at one certain thing but never can get a player with a total package deal? I, I, I don't know about that. Dominic Moore's been good for every team that he's been with. He's kind of been that that guy who produces when it's most needed. And he he is being he, competitive though. It's what team number ten for him. Yeah, but at the same time, the Bruins are used to having like journeyman players come to the team, and sometimes they don't produce, sometimes they do, but. I mean, this guy comes in with less than a million dollars on his cap hit. He's a guy who can fill in spots up and down the roster. I'm not saying that he's a guy that's going to play top-line centre if Bergie's out, but like he, he can fill in for guys. If, if Ryan Spooner goes down with an injury, he's a third-line centre guy. If David Krejci goes down with an injury, he can capably fill in that second-line centre role. It, it, it's a good signing for a little amount of money and it'll make us that slightly tiny bit more competitive. And we saw it last season with guys like Eunice Kampainen and We needed someone to fill in that role and we didn't have it at the time. So now we do. We do. And I like this signing and I have seen every fan out there say that this is a horrible signing. So I want to hear your guys' opinions on it and find out why this is horrible. Andrew, when, when they initially signed him, my th- first thought was, wait, this is the guy from the documentary whose wife uh, got cancer. And I then I looked it up and I watched it, and it was, it was pretty ugly. I mean, i got to give full props to Moore. But on the second look... This is everything Cam Neely wants. He's like, you know what, Cam? What are you looking for? Uh, well, I'm not trying to find gritty players that live in Boston. I know you guys are unhappy about Jimmy Hayes. Okay, so is this guy gritty? Uh, he's been known to be gritty occasionally. And where does he live? Uh, Cambridge. Why does that matter? No reason, Cam. Just checking. Uh, yes, he's a solid veteran player. And let's ignore the locker room stuff. And yeah, it's a it's a nine hundred thousand dollar contract, and the bees still have five point eight million to play with. And yeah, he's good in the faceoff circle, but the Bruins were going for a youth movement. They swapped out two coaches and put in Pandolfo and Cassidy specifically to promote the youth movement. Then all of a sudden, youth, youth, youth. Oh, and this thirty six year old guy we found on the side of the road. Yeah, it, it just it's just confusing for me because this seemed the plan. We were we were getting ourselves okay with the plan, and then he turned the wheel again on us. Absolutely, and and first I, I just want to say that I'm not I'm not a jerk um, on the whole Dominic Moore thing, and I don't want to you know make it out like that I'm not concerned. Um, what happened to him and his wife is absolutely horrible. And that you know that, that that can't be changed, and I'm sorry about that. But the the player right now is in question, and his play. Um, when you think about contra- money, uh, there was there was value in your minor system, like Andrew said. If you wanted to implement some some youth movement, um, 
why not look at a player like Austin Zarnick that is probably making $200,000 less than him and is going to stick around for a lot longer? Uh, that's one thing that I didn't understand. And, and, and other moves this summer are, are pretty much blocking uh, any progression that our development core has. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, I don't understand that. Why preach youth movement if you're not going to friggin' do it? Mm. Well, I kind of get that, but at the same time, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the fact that I would rather have someone like Austin Zarnick play first-line centre for the Providence Bruins than play fourth-line centre for the Boston Bruins. If that makes sense, because he's going to get limited play time on a fourth-line role. He's going to learn the game a lot better down in Providence than he is in Boston, playing way more minutes in a lot more situations. Like, he'll have power play time. He'll maybe get a shot on the penalty kill to learn a bit more. I'd rather see guys like that earn their spot in the Bruins by doing it the hard way, where guys like Griffith have. Griffith? Fine, put him put him on a fourth line role. He's been in Providence a long time. He knows the system. He's played with the Bruins. That's fine. But a guy like Austin Zarnick, who has only been a pro for four or five months of his career, yeah, one one full season. Yeah, well, let him let him have another season down there. That's not going to hurt his progression. We're not going to have another Kovalchev on our hands with a guy like Zarnick. Let's hope not. <laughs> well, I don't see. Like, I don't see these kind of guys who came in un- as undrafted rookies and were signed by a team who actually gave them a chance. I don't see them kind of guys running away. Well, guys v- like. For Toronto did it. Well, yeah, but I no, I don't mean that. I mean, as in, I don't see him turning around and being like, I'm going to go and play in the KHL. Oh, I'm not oh, getting my eyes okay. All right, my apologies. Like, yeah, well, that makes the, the sense. He does given, Russian. Yeah, but the Bruins have given him a chance. So he's going to earn his spot by doing it the hard way, whereas guys like Kovalchev didn't want to do it the hard way and they wanted it now. So I, I really I really want guys like... I'd love to see next season in Providence a guy like Achari play the second line in Providence, get some more playing time, learn to play the role a bit better, and then come up on an injury basis and fill in then. And that's another. That's 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 another thing that I was I was going to talk about was um the Nawachari is completely, I believe, out of the picture. He's back in Providence, and I thought he I I thought he did okay last year. I thought he pretty much earned his 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 ice time, and once again they don't believe that he can do it again by bringing in a guy like Dominic Moore. Yeah, but do the. The thing is, do they play Achari at the wing and have him as more of a power power forward role than trying to mould him into a two-way centre when he likes to use his body more? Um, that's a valid point. Okay, like, um, There's spots available on the wing on that fourth line. There's I, two spots available. As the way I've seen a lot of people, uh, the higher-ups from my pay scale... There's a lot of people that have Randall scheduled in at that at that position. I don't. He was. He I'm was sorry, Randall on the left, Nash on the right. Mm. Yeah. It's a tough see, one. The guy. See, Randall. Randall for me, uh, I'd send him down to Providence. 
I would too. I'd let someone who's going to put up points. And I know he did the amazing two goal, two games thing. Like, I get that, but I'd rather have a guy with speed and skill on that fourth line as an extra threat down the line against another. Because a lot of teams play fourth line bruisers. You'll see it with teams like Dallas. They won't have a like, skilled guy on their fourth line. It's more of a grinded out line. So put some speed and skill on the Bruins' fourth line up against grinded out players. You'll outspeed yeah, them. You, yeah, you might, get, you might get injuries halfway through the season, but the, you're going to get points from your fourth line then instead of your fourth line just being a shutdown role and being pointless. I've been preaching that for months, my friend. Exactly. So, guys, guys like Griffith, great for a fourth line role. Speed, skill, scoring. Put put him on the right side. Put Riley Nash on the left, or put put anyone on the left. Put Nolichari on the left. It's just we we saw it with the Bruins. They pushed. They've been pushing Nolichari and uh, Frank Vetrano on the social media all off season. So, I, I I can see him staying up, maybe being a scratch player, maybe being a fill-in player, but I think the going with the whole, we want a solid lineup where we know what we're going to get compared to putting kids in and not knowing what they're going to get. Fair enough. I really think it's the year for the Bruins where they decide... <clears throat> Is it is it is it pointless trying to stay competitive and not making the playoffs, or is it time to rebuild? Because that's the way it looks with some of the signings it made on one-year deals. So, so what you're trying to say, and I might be taking this the wrong way, but you think that this is a whole year process of evaluations that if they don't make it, then it's not, then they're going to start to clean house. Well, imagine what you get for dominant. Dominic Moore, if he produces like Lee Stempniak did for New Jersey, because we paid quite a bit for it. Yeah, we paid and a second round pick for you, it. You, exactly, and you pay even more for a sentiment that's got great face off deals. Right. Because if you want that during the playoffs on your fourth line center, then you're going to pay for it. Right. And here's, so a, here's that's, a, that's a draft pick. Yeah, here's another thing about this whole the whole Dominic Moore thing is. He could have came in on a PTO. Yeah. Well, I'd rather have a player like that come in on a PTO. I'd have no problem with that. And if he doesn't fit, if he doesn't fit, he's gone. No commitment, nothing. He's gone. Have the Bruins even signed anyone to a PTO yet? Uh, no. Because I haven't seen not, any information about that. I don't think not, so either. Not yet, but I have a few people on my list I wouldn't mind seeing an invite you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Because PTOs are the, one of the best ways to go when you're trying to figure out what you want in your lineup. Yeah, I, 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 who got, who's the guys that you have, Andrew? Because I really want to... I really want to get some comparison to this. Um, now, this one, this one, I got a fair amount of gruff for. I'd like to see them offer a PTO to Matt Barkowski. Oof. See, I've heard that from you before, and I agreed with this last time. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, his numbers, if you compare them, he would technically be a top four. I'm not saying, you know, but we just spent five and a half million dollars for a bottom pair defensive guy. And let's face it, Barkowski would be lucky to get one million even. I mean, it's just that, but he knows the system. He still knows the Julian system. I know some people don't like him, but compared to stats, he would be better than one of the Millers and he'd be better than Adam McQuaid. As much as I like Quader as a person, I, I just keep scratching my head every time he's, you know, still on the squad. Yeah, Bart- Bartelski had good possession numbers even even last year, in his minimal role with um, was who did he play for? Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. So, uh, possession numbers are a little different. It's good when you can move the puck around, but his play away from the puck was pretty much horrendous. So, yeah. To, to give him an opportunity, I, I, I bring him back. Yeah, to give him an opportunity to see if he fits in in a place, uh, that's not a big deal. But let's not just see him, you know, and then immediately make a deal because that's. The, I just get the the feeling that the Bruins are, are very just like that. They're like, oh my god, I see something good, and then grab him yeah. without really just, having him do anything yet for your organization, yeah. and then pretty much it's a it's a waste. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, I mean, there's there's two sides to every coin. Like it, like like Andrew says, Bartowski, he suggested that, you know, he he could have some um some very good qualities that could come back to a team like the bees. But as as no, it, just, as it's lined up right now with Krug, McQuaid, Chara, Miller, Lyles, and and Colin Miller, I, I think we're pretty much all set. Yeah, but you got to think. Do you want to give Morrow that time down in Providence next season as a top pairing defenseman and bring in a guy for less than a million dollars to be your seventh defenseman? Or do you do you go with a guy like Morrow who's going to sit half the season on the bench? Yeah, I could see that, but my, my thing is with Morrow is if he goes down, he's subjected to waivers. But not before the season starts. If they sent him down right now, he's he's not subjected to waivers. Are you sure about that? Yeah, if you if you're assigned to uh, if you're assigned to the AHL before the season starts, you're not. Uh, there's a day that the waiver wire starts, isn't there? I think it's like three days before the season. Okay. Because you because you have you're allowed to bring guys up for preseason and send them back down, even if they're subject to waivers. Because I was under the impression, and, and guys, let me know if I'm wrong, but I was under the impression that, um, like Seth Griffith, there's a lot of writers yeah. that were saying that he's going to start the season with the Bruins, or with, I mean, on the t- not on the team, but with the team. Yeah, like he did last year, but... And if he, he doesn't injured. make the squad, and he goes down to Providence, he's going to have he's going to be subjected. Yeah, it, with a guy like... With a guy like him, if he starts the season with the Bruins, say he plays three, four games, and then they send him down, he will be subjected to waivers because the season's already started. But I think it's I think it's three days before the season starts. You can bring up and send down people with no problems. So I'm not 100% sure on that, but from what I remember in the past, I've seen guys play preseason for teams like the Bruins and be sent down when they should be subjected to waivers and they haven't been. Okay. 
All right, cool. But uh, it, there's a there's another guy who I was thinking about with a PTO, and because uh, he's just he's just announced that he's coming back as a free agent to uh, the NHL, and that's Chris Vestigue. Okay. Because he'd be a cheap guy if no one else is interested, and. He's proved he's like proved that he can score goals. He's proved that he can put points up. He's got a big body. I don't mind maybe giving him less than a million and just having him as a bench player. Like the other defenseman I had was Chris Russell, and it's just one of those. It was it was an idea. It's just you know we ha- we gain nothing but we lose nothing by saying fly to Boston, kick the tires. Let's see what we got. I'm, yeah. We've have we have still yet to fix the defensive problem. If if I no other reason to put a boot up the butt of some, of a player saying, "Look, we are prepared to move you if we don't see anything, and we have people who would love hell. We have people who would kill to have your job." I, I just yeah. the players keep saying, "Oh, we're motivated, we're motivated, we're motivated," but they've been saying that for three years, and the stats haven't verified that motivation. I've also just heard Mark's head explode after you mentioned Chris Russell. Mm. I think that's why he's so quiet right now. Yeah. <laughs> he just woke, woke <laughs> me up. I passed out for a second. Not, right. not a fan of him, are you? I, I, he's another player that, for me, needs to do more than just one specialty. He's a yeah, shot not, blocker. Yeah. He, he leads the league in shot blockers. This is not fantasy hockey. Yeah. I want I want defensemen that slipped through the Bruins' fingers all off season because they were waiting on some stupid forward that screwed another NHL team. Oh yeah. And did nothing about it. So Chris Russell, if if he can come down on his price, show the Bruins that he can be a, a Boston type player. Show that he wants to win. Show that he wants to try to attempt to change things I'd be for it but I don't think he's going to come down on that I think he's is he 5 million a season uh, I thought he was that. I thought it was like 2 and change according to his last contract but uh, the reason, I could be wrong the reason why I read that people are not picking him up is because he's got a high cap yeah. so I'm not I, I'll have to look into it but um, but can, can you imagine like 10 days before camp starts and he realizes that he hasn't got a team. Yeah. Cause some, some, some team out there is going to get him for nothing. Yep. Like for like one and a half, two million, because he's going to realize that no one wants him for the price that he's asking and he'll panic and he'll sign with somewhere for one year for a small change. But if I was the Bruins, I'd, I'd have rung him up by now and I said, between 1.5 and 2 million for one season, prove me contract. Prove me right, you'll get a bit extra next year. If not, you're gone. Because him as a bottom pairing defenseman, I'm fine with. He can move the puck. Not, not great, but he's okay at breaking the puck out. Like you said, he's a shot blocker, so having him on your bottom pairing will help out. But... 
I don't see them taking t- uh, ice time away from Tory Krug, who's going to play on the second pairing. I don't see Zidane Chara being dropped from that first pair, even though he should do. What's terrible, I mean, is I agree with you. They will not move Zidane Chara, but they're going to put they're going to put Kevin Miller back on that first line, and I still see that as a blinking red warning light on the team. I like that though. No, he's not that terrible when you put him against bottom six lines. I mean, I was I've been tearing apart his Corsi up and down, side to side, just to try try to validate other people. Like he's a great player. He's he's pretty on the numbers, but when you put him against top lines, there are deficiencies, and they cost you points, and they cost you games. And last yeah. season, it was just a matter of fractions. Going back to Chris Russell real quick, I want generalfanager dot com. And he is 28 years old, and he, his cap hit is 2.6 million. <clears throat> so and that's, that's former contract. So right, he, he's going to be wanting more than that. Right. So, so it's probably not out of the realm that he could be asking for five. Yeah. And no team in their yeah, no, right no, mind no, is no going to pay that. Even someone like Toronto with plenty of cap room will not pay that price. Right. So, and you know it's bad if you're this far through free agency and even Toronto and pick you up because, <laughs> I mean. All right, that's it, just funny. It is pretty funny. It, they are looking for anything, and if you're not anything, then just just go play in the like minor leagues for a bit. Fly to the KHL. Oh, yeah. Or SM Liga in Finland. <laughs> yeah. The, the KHL will pay you more than that $5 million if you go over there. You might not get paid it, but you'll, yeah. you'll get it. <laughs> you get it sometime. It's good news is bad news. Good news, you may make lots of money and find sexy ladies. Bad news, you may find yourself stuck in Moscow. Train station, no ticket, and gulag in the winter. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on a little bit. Um, uh, Andrew, do you have anybody else on the PTO that you would like to mention? Honestly, I've, I've PTOs, I wanted to keep it like to two and maybe three people, but I just wanted to focus on defensemen because at this point, there's the so need. many people competing for center positions. Or, you know, And wingers, they're going to figure that out. They're going to say, hey, are you comfortable playing the right wing this year or the left wing this year? And some of these kids who may not get their position, may not get their desired spot, it's an NHL team. They're going to, sure, I'll play wing. Right. Well, speaking of wingers, here's another thing that I'm kind of pissed off about, and I hope you guys will understand. I'm not pissed out about what happened. I'm pissed about pretty much I wasted a whole day. But... um, (laughs) I wrote an article about Zach Shenishin for the hockeywriters.com and uh, I was well into a good five or six hour um, research and I was about to publish and at four o'clock the Boston Bruins announced that Shenishin undergoes successful epidectomy, which means in the, in the uh, medical terms that he had his appendix removed. So... This kid cannot catch a break, um, and the one I'm not pissed because he he's he's 
going through this procedure or went through this procedure and it's successful, which is great. That's awesome news. But I'm missing another chance to see this kid live. I'm tired of watching streams of his games. I've watched probably 60 games in the past two years. I want to see this kid live. And I missed my opportunity at the four-day development camp in July at the Restuccia Memorial Arena the, the last time any Bruins organizational event will be held there. Uh, he was out with mono and got excused by the team and I was all excited to see him this year live and this came up. So uh, it sounds like he's going to miss uh, obviously rookie camp and could miss a, a good portion of um, of uh, NHL training camp. But yeah, he's a player that's definitely in the mix uh, in the top five prospects and uh, I, I thought for sure that he was going to be able to to challenge for a spot this year, or go back down to Saint Su, uh, Saint Marie, Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, put in another solid effort and be available for the 2017-2018 season. Any thoughts? It sounds like Sanishin inherited the Adam McQuaid syndrome. Everything's going just fine until yeah, right. It's, it's you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. The good the good thing is he's getting all this out of the way at a young age. Right, you know I understand that, and I'm 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 very happy he's healthy, but. <clears throat> I'm really high on this prospect. I think this kid's going to be something special. Uh, as many times as I said it in past podcasts, I, I didn't see it in 015 when he was selected. I gave him the year chance, and, and as soon as I started seeing him in, at development camp, at rookie and training camp in, last year, um, and the season he had, going from a bottom six role scoring 26 goals on, as a fourth liner to going to the top six role and scoring 46 his progression every year and especially I his drive after he was selected by the Bruins seemed to really motivate him and when I say by when I when I use the word motivation is I read a, um, an article from Emily Benjamin who used to be a uh, Boston Globe writer and she went up to Sault Ste. Marie and talked to him and he said that he is determined to make the NHL squad this year. Whether he makes it or not remains to be seen, but unfortunately this this uh, you know sickness had had to happen and kind of ruin his plans. But to make a long story short, um, and I know you guys are, are up on the prospects too, where do you guys see him coming into the fold? Do you, a, a year, or two years, three years? Um, I don't well, think it's if- this year. No, I, I don't think it's this year, but I, I think, like I, said, like I was saying before, if this team goes bust this year and they decide to sell some people at a deadline and trade them away for picks, I could see them coming in next year and being a top, right, uh, top line right wing scoring forward because he's got the ability. He's got the speed, he's got the hands, he's got the hockey IQ, he's... 
he's everything you want for the Bruins because the Bruins desperately need someone who shoots first and passes second because we saw that as soon as Frank Vetrano came in and he was just shooting non-stop and being himself he was unstoppable and then he started to fall into the Claude Julian system started to die off a bit went back down to Providence and scored a bunch of goals so I think with him and Vetrano on the team the future's really bright that and I think Vetrano will have a much better chance to flourish under a modified Julian system where Cassidy will be there. I mean, yeah. I still I still expect at a new point during the season, Cam's going to sit Julian down and say, "Yeah, about that you working here." Mm. I honestly, I still see Julian getting the heave ho sometime during the season, especially if the Bruins falter in the first twenty games. I, I I'm with that. I am absolutely with that. I said that at the point of uh, Cassidy being hired. I said yeah. that he, he's the, definitely the be a, Yeah, there's going to be a warning at one point, and they're going to say, "Look to your right," and that's the guy who's going to take over from you unless you produce. Right. Because they're not going to bring Cassidy in and then bring another coach in if Julian fails, it's definitely I think it's definitely Cassidy who'll take over if yep. Julian does. Same here. So, and it's a, it's a good thing because he knows how to use young players so it'll, cha- it'll change the Bruins a hell of a lot w- with him taking over so uh, some people are hoping for failure just to see that happen, but I think I think it's bound to happen soon. Mark, I think you and I can agree we're not that much of a New Englander. <laughs> we're not looking for we're not looking for failure, but we'd like to see a plan ready to go if and when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I just want to see direction. I, I mean, I know I'm a fan, and I'm I I'm allowed to speculate. I'm not in the room. We're not making you know, you know. Trades or or scheduling lines, that's their job. But as a fan, you have to question what direction they're going in. And I I have to believe when Rob says that, you know, this could be the year that they, if they don't do anything, major changes could happen. And not only on the lineup, but it could happen in the uh, in the management levels of the organization as well. Yeah, I just I think it's just funny that when Don Sweeney came in and talked about how there's this like four or five year plan, and he's proved that it is going that way because of the way that he's drafted. He's but, proved that there is a plan in place. Right, but so many, so many fans replace players. Yeah, but how many times did we see Chirelli just pick random guys and be like, "Oh yeah, we don't we don't need a top line center, but we'll draft this guy who's." apparently going to be one like I, I just like the way he's drafted positionally I like the way that he's brought in guys that we know we're going to need in a certain amount of years and they've yep. got the right skill set and they've got the right tools to be a dominant force in the NHL with all these players combined right, and, but and, I also do, I don't like the way that Sweeney came in said this and then the, the more and more that he's been around nearly and been a being around the top of the food chain, 
he's changed more into Chiarelli over the years than we've seen before because he's just started to kind of lose his head from what I've seen. Especially with the, like you're saying, with some of the signings that don't make sense. Right. It, at this it's not point, the though, Sweeney we wanted. At this point, though, I have to say Neely's job is probably more at risk than Sweeney's is. I mean, look at that recent poll. 83% of Bruins fans think the Bruins will be as bad or worse as they were this season. And I wrote an article, the last time the city of Boston saw popular numbers this low, there was a tea party in the harbor. Yeah. Uh, I just... I, I really think that this year is... Neely and Julian's like make it or break it year, and I think we could see. First of all, Neely lose his temper, and we'll probably see a police chase down the uh, Boston Highway, hmm. and then uh, I, I could see Julian just getting straight on a plane and just leaving. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be a fun year because there's so much stuff going on with the Bruins. Like, I mean, we've been competitive for the past three years and the fans have gone mental about the fact that we haven't made the playoffs by one point. So I can only imagine what's going to happen if we finish this season 20 points below the playoffs. I don't see us going that far down the totem pole. Okay, I'm really hoping we don't go for that far down the totem pole. I mean, it's just there are ifs, and there are a lot of sketchy ifs. The Bruins still believe Adam McQuaid can play top four minutes. He tried last year, didn't do so well. He says he wants another shot, and he says he can do it. Okay, at this point, if Neely, if the if the front office is committed to one more year of Adam McQuaid in the top four and one more year of Kevin Miller in the top four, all right, I've, I've been, I've, we've been yelling about, you know, trying to stop this train for months, and it's, it's clear that the front, the front office has a vision, and they're going to go with that vision. Now, whether that vision is inspired by divine will or LSD, we still don't have a, we don't have a certain <laughs> for sure. But it's okay, guys. One more year, we're going to sit here in our seats and grumble and glare, glare at the. Uh, Glare at the Jacobs suite every time we spend 200 bucks for a good seat. Yeah, and Andrew, when you talk about the defense, uh, I've, been, I've been keeping track of a lot of the, 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 the top writers in the area and their projections. Um, and, this, and the averages are all coming out to what I'm going to say right now. They, they have Krug and McQuaid at the top line. Chara, Kevin Miller at the second line, Lyles and Colin Miller on the third pairing. You agree with that? I like the pairs. I'd probably move the lines. <laughs> so you put Chara uh, back on the top, right? I, I'm not a fan of that, but yeah, that would probably make the most sense on opening night. Well, well I would probably swap out, I'd swap out the top two lines. I mean, McQuaid and Krug, they've been, they've been like the pair last year and they're not terrible when they're together 
It's just I have questions about McQuaid playing top four, and I have questions about Kevin Miller playing against top four. That, that's that's pretty much it. And it's, if they can do it, we'll finish seventh or eighth. And that's that's to some people just crazily optimistic. But I mean, up until ten days before the end of the season, I had put the Bruins to finish sixth, and that's where they were going to end up. And then they just kind of went to hell on us, right? Rob, what do you think about those pairs? Uh, I like it. I think it it just screams the whole controversy between is Krejci the top line center or is Bergie the top line center? You know the whole thing. We've heard it for so many years. What's line one for the Bruins? Because no one knows, and it it just screams that to me. But. At the same time, I still think Chara can play that top pair role. Just can't do... He can't play the top pair role and be on the power play and be on the penalty kill. Yeah, his minutes got to come down. I'd take him off the penalty kill. I'd take him off the power play and the penalty kill and just make him play 5-on-5. Because you've got guys that can do it. I mean, help. Like, put Lyles on the penalty kill because his shot suppression numbers are actually quite good. And, and, he, can, then, and he can skate. Yeah, and then put Krug on the second PK unit. Another one that can move the puck. Yeah, just get the puck out of the zone. Yeah. Because how many times last year did we watch the penalty kill and they, they'd try and, like, get the puck and then go behind their own net and oh, work reset. It out. I hate the reset. Yeah, don't do it. Just do it, do it the old-fashioned way the Bruins used to, where you get the puck, slap shot right down the ice, just dump it to the end boards. You don't need to do this fancy stuff. Just get rid of the puck. And how many of those resets led to bad calls, which led to turnovers and goals? Yes, exactly. Well, we saw we saw one last year where Marshand ended up getting a penalty for interference because as he turned back to break out the zone, he hit into a player who was forechecking. That got him an interference goal. So that, and then that led to a five on three, which they scored on. So it's stuff like that, like little things where you don't need to be overcomplicated with the way they play hockey. The best hockey teams play simple hockey and do it well. The bad teams try and play complicated hockey and do it badly. That's the way I see it. Good point. I think you brought up a good topic. Uh, there's a couple of open A jerseys this season. Who do you guys think are going to get them? Ooh. <laughs> well, if it, it all depends on the resigning of Marshan, but I think he could get one. Yep, um, I've I've been screaming for Marshy's A. I I tell like Marshy's going to get an A this year. Marshy's going. Marshy got his A, and then he got suspended. Thanks there. Thanks, Brad. Thank and, and obviously, for me, Bergeron stays with it until our current captain okay. moves on. Yeah, but I, I've got one for you. I, I think I know the perfect person to take Bergie's ear when he gets the seat. And if he's still in town, it is the best decision ever, and that is Matt Bolesky. Oh. Because yeah. that, guy, that guy is the complete Bruin. Did you not see what he said when Jimmy Vasey didn't sign? Right. How, 
how many players are willing to take on the fan base of an entire team? Right. Yeah. yeah, that was that was just that was sort of you know. That's awful. an that's a real interesting thought, Rob. And I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that from the rest Bileski of the podcast. Is, and Bileski, I think, is my my favorite Bruin right now because he's a hard nosed player. Last year, he did everything. Everything possible. Yeah, he was snake bitten, and he should have had probably twenty five goals with the amount of pulse that he hit. But at the same time, he did every little thing properly. And I hope to God they put him on the power play this year, like I was saying all last year, and put him in front of the net because that guy will not budge. He is. He's just the best type of guy that we needed, and we got him for cheap. And he loves Boston. So, speaking of the power play, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, the saving. I mean, I'm sorry. The I don't know something about something Carlson podcast. I can't remember what it is. And I'm sorry if if any of those members out there are, are listeners or <coughs> members. But uh, they had a guest on, and they were talking about David Pasternak. And what they could expect from him, and I found it interesting that uh, this guy said that Pasternak could reach fifty points. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast Channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Next season, if he was uh, included in one of the two power play lines. And he, if not, if 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 the Bruins do not use his offense to their advantage, he could sit at a, a twenty to thirty point player. Yeah, but at the same time, did you not see all the awful passes when we broke into the zone? Yeah, like the amount of times he went up the boards, just spun and flung the puck into the center of the ice. Nobody I, there. Yeah, it, we the power play was great. The power play was the top power play for a long time. You don't just change that to put a guy in because he's a fan favorite. Well, no, you don't no, no, just no. Change yeah, it. Right. This is just yeah, about but, point production. It's not yeah, about it's I not know. about slotting them in or anything like that. It's just about oh, yeah. getting the the max points out of him and those roles that he's not involved in. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think. I think he's a better five on five player, and I think. To be fair, a lot of times after the power play finished, because David Krejci was playing the point, they went on to line two as soon as the power play ended. So Krejci's line came out, and as the forwards changed, another defenseman came on, and Krejci moved to centre, yeah. if that makes sense to you. Right. No, it does. So, so that, that keeps Pasternak... It keeps him like calm and on the bench, and he's ready, full of energy to come on against penalty kill line that's just been out there for two minutes straight and that so, and, this, and this gentleman i did hear on the podcast also said about his five on five numbers and they were freaking outstanding yeah and that's what i mean is i think he's a better five on five guy than he is a power play guy because we, we've seen him on the power play before and yeah he has a lot of room to move around but i don't think that's where he's best i think he's best when he hasn't got the the room to move about and he's forced to make a play. Because it, the, how many times did we see him go behind the net and wrap around? And you you don't really do that on a power play. That's more of a 
five-on-five thing where you're forced behind the net, you're forced around the net. Yeah, you're taking they that chance. Yeah, they don't do that on a penalty kill. They let you roam right. and let you take shots. Yes. So, to me, I'd leave Pasenak on the five-on-five. I'd let the guys who showed last season that they deserve a power play spot have it, and I think Pasenak will put up numbers no matter what he does. But at the same time, with Pasenak's points being a bit further down, I, I'd prefer that when it comes to re-signing him, and he only costs us three to four million instead of six to seven. Right. Because you got to think, if Marshan re-signs for seven million, that's what four. Yeah, that's four forwards all in your top six that are on six million plus. Hopefully and that that's cap a 30, goes up. And that's a third of your salary cap. Yeah. So, I mean, I know Char is going to be gone soon, and I know that's going to free up a bit of cap space, but, I mean, you've got defensemen that will need signing. You've got more forwards that will need signing. Because I think it's a year after Pasternak is re-signed, then you've got to re-sign Frank Vetrano, if I'm right. Yep. And then... He's probably going to be a full-time NHLer by then, I guarantee it. I think he'll be a full-time NHLer next season. He should, in my opinion, but a lot of people say he could start the season in Providence. I don't understand that. Yeah, I I understand it, but I I really think... I just think he's going to fit in on that third line. I think it's going to be him, either Bacchus or Spooner, depending on where Bacchus plays. And then... Probably Jimmy Hayes on the right. So, but I, I, I'm really hopeful for next year. I want to see how they use the new guys in the team. I want to see how this defense has changed over the off season because they're promising us it's not going to be as bad as last season. I so, I don't think it will. I hope. I don't. I think you're going to see a guy like Morrow not play as much time. I think you're going to probably see additions before the season starts of like probably 35-plus-year-old guys come in. I think there's still Marek Ziglitsky on the free agent block. Yep. That's a right-handed guy who can come in and play top four minutes. He shouldn't do, but he can do. And then you you still got guys like this in free agency that people are waiting to sign if kids don't make the roster. We got about 10 minutes left to go, and I wanted to take the time to uh, talk about something that I've been watching um, pretty much all off season, and uh, that's the developing goaltenders in the in the organizational system. Um, uh, Zane McIntyre and Malcolm Subban are both on the last years of their entry-level deals. Um, any thoughts on... I mean, it's going to be a competition for... They're going to split ice time, I guarantee it. But any thoughts on who's going to be the better goaltender and who gets the contract? Because they're both slated for RFA... Uh, July 1, 2017. Whoever doesn't go will be a high target for the Las Vegas team. 
honestly, statistically, I'd rather see Subban in net. Subban, Subban is a lot flashier. He plays a more Tim Thomas style of game. But oh my god, I just threw up. Okay, I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I live, I, I work next door to him. He, I get to watch him practice every day. He plays a lot more like Tim Thomas does. Yeah, I, I don't like the comparison. Sorry. I'm just saying style of game. The numbers don't ma- the numbers don't match up. It's just one of them will be the number two goaltender next year. One of them will be going to Las Vegas. It's well, you got Kudobin on a two year deal, so. Yeah, it, it, something's got to break. I, I don't see, I honestly don't see McIntyre getting a qualifying offer after his rookie season last year. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to get what he needs, and I think he's going to walk. And I don't have a problem with that at all. But Nor do I. I, I, I want to see Subban play like he did before he got shot in the throat. I want to see that game. I don't want to see any of the game that he brought in his first year of entry level or his second year. Because I'm telling you, I watch I watch every game that he's played in the Bruins uniform in Providence, and I am not impressed. I was impressed with his style and his play from December till when he got hurt in February. That was impressive. I want to see that game. And if he can't bring that game, walk. Daniel Vidar is seemingly the next guy that the Bruins are believing in because, you know, he's had two outstanding development camps and he just signed in October of this year, I mean, sorry, in uh, April of this year, a three-year ELC. So he's definitely in the mix. I see him play in the, uh, in the East Coast Hockey League in Atlanta and possibly could be very ready a- after that season to... Um, um, to fill in for a departing uh, goaltender in Providence. I think I'm going to be a complete and utter jerk right now and call my shot. I'm going to say Subban probably plays quite good this year, gets called up around probably a month, month and a half to go, plays a couple of games depending on where we are. and Because once you get past trade deadline, you kind of know whether you're going to make the playoffs or not. And I mean, I, I say that after we've just done the same thing like two, three years in a row where we've <laughs> messed up. But We're good, we're time, good. And oh, oh, it's gone. Yeah. If we're, if we're out of the picture, I can see them calling him up and playing him. I really do. Like, if we're totally out of the playoff picture, I can see them bringing him in and just saying, right... Go at it because it doesn't matter now. Because if they, if they want to lose points and go further down the lottery picks, then it's not going to matter, is it? When you don't make the playoffs, and if they're going to sell guys off, it's going to make losses come. So let him see if he's ready for the NHL. I don't think he is. I really think there's a chance that he could refuse to sign for the Bruins and go and play in Montreal with his brother. I don't see that happening, but Nashville. there's a chance. <laughs> Can you imagine the hate that he will get off the Bruins <laughs> if he does that? It it's just unreal. But yeah, I think I think Zane McIntyre will walk at the end of the year. 
Uh, I think Vladar will come in the season after and probably challenge for the starting role in Providence. Because he, he is a good, really good goaltender. And I think he's kind of at the stage that McIntyre's at now. Oh, better. Yeah. Well, from training camp, yeah. But I, I'd like to see him during the AHL season. Yeah. Because I know I, I've seen a lot of foreign goalies come over, like European goalies, and they look really good before they get into the AHL and then they get into the AHL and... It's a train they've, wreck. Yeah, they've had, they've got sunburn on the back of the neck from the goal light, and oh, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always a question mark until you see them produce. So, and with goaltending, goaltending's the the hardest thing to call. Yeah, because they've grown so late. Yeah, and you never know. You can like you look at Murray and you look at guys like that who just come in and torn it up and you never know it's just like what's he called the the Hamburglar Andrew, uh, Hammond. Andrew Hammond yeah. oh Hammond yeah yeah what happened to him he came in he killed it for a whole like half a season and then got fizzled the off didn't do well came back the next year everyone was saying that he was going to be the starter in Ottawa this year just gone he wasn't so, you can never call it, but uh, McIntyre's not the type of guy that I see being an NHL goalie in any way. He, he screams Fedberg to me. Yeah. That's so, a good comparison, actually. <laughs> yeah. I think I think he will become a good AHL goalie, but I don't see him being a good NHL backup. Whereas Malcolm Subban... I can kind of see being an okay NHL backup, <clears throat> but he's not that starting goaltender everyone was screaming that he was when the Bruins picked him. So, I think it's good that we got a guy like Vladar. I think there'll be more goalies picked next year. I really do. Uh, they got to restock the system. Yeah, they definitely do. Be- because uh, what was that guy called that played at the? Uh, Rookie training camp. Oh, uh, Stephen Dillon? Exactly. That, that guy kid. must have been scouted by us by now if he's come to rookie training camp. Stephen Dillon was uh, a goaltender that plays for the um, Niagara Ice Dogs, I believe. Yeah. And he was very impressive. He, him, I want to say, in my list at development camp, Vladar was definitely the best. Stephen Dillon was my second favorite, and then McIntyre and Subban were down at the bottom somewhere. Um, and I believe, I want to believe that the Bruins told both of those goaltenders to just, you know, it's development camp, take it easy. But to me, that's when you really want to show the Bruins brass that you want to be uh, a serious peg in the wheel per se uh, of of the future of this organization and. I just saw a flat goaltending from both of those guys, yeah. and it's and it's sad when a freaking uh, you know a camp invite comes in. He's 17 years old. He was a camp invite, and and he just tore it. Up. He tore. He did. He was. He played very well. Um, I I know I know that he was invited to a couple other camps over the summer after the Bruins, 
Uh, I think he was just making his rounds, getting more exposure. But um, I really hope the Bruins keep tabs on him because uh, I thought he did really well. See, the thing is, you always hear, like, like we've heard about Nolan Patrick and we've heard about guys who are going to be, like, superstars of the next draft. But I haven't really heard anything about any goaltenders for the next draft. Like, you, you never really hear about goaltenders a year before, but you hear about all the forwards and the defensemen. Yeah, like, the... we heard about we heard about Jacob Chichern way before the draft happened. So, yeah, I don't know. Once, I, the, I once, just... the, once the NHL scouting report comes out and the rankings, that's when everybody yeah. starts picking up on, the, on where goaltenders... Yeah. But at the same time, you want to watch that guy because if he isn't rated highly on people's lists that could be a guy who's a third round steal like sure. I, I just want to see them like I've been saying that with the whole picking by position thing a goaltender would be a good thing to have because Tukaras not going to be young forever right so and who's in the pipeline that can start for the Bruins nobody Exactly. Absolutely no. So, that that is I I'd want to fix that before I go and pick any more defensemen. I'd want to pick up the best available goalie. That's because true. forwards are stacked, defense is stacked now in the system. Go and get a goaltender. Well, we've just passed an hour. Yeah. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Mr. Andrew Thompson. Uh, he writes for the CausewayCrowd.com, friend of the show. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us again. Hey, I've I've enjoyed your podcast, and every time you guys ask me to try to be on, I do try to move heaven and earth to get there. I'm just glad everything kind of lined up today. Excellent, and and we'll continue to move those boulders aside to uh, have you back on. Uh, we'll move be... them. Move them, push them, threaten yeah. them, whatever. We're, we're going to be adding a lot of uh, writers uh, in the next couple of weeks to our to the show uh, to give um, to get a little more insight on how they feel about the, the direction of the Bruins are going in and where uh, they could end up at the end of the season. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity for the show to get these guys in and and like like Andrew, he's a he's a top notch uh, writer and uh, we love having him on. Thank you very much, guys. I always, as I said, I always appreciate you having me here. Awesome. Yeah, and can't wait to get you on during the season. So we can, <laughs> so we, so we can all do drunken sake bombs <laughs> while we're planning on the season. Exactly. <laughs> every t- every time a quid gives up something in transition, we got to do a shot. Andrew, Andrew, where can the listeners follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GodWentWhoops. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook as well. Uh, uh, when I'm not writing for Causeway Crowd, I am cooking all over the city of Providence and a couple of restaurants. You can always find me there. I look forward to getting down there and having some dinner sometime and hopefully catching the game with you. Sounds like a plan, sir. Awesome. Uh, Rob, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. No worries, buddy. Rob, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Rob40Bruins. Yes, I am a Tukaras fan. Ah, totally welcome. Elite. One of you. Yeah, exactly. Elite. Elite. I've said it. I've said it. Come and roast me. 
we yeah. are we are gonna we are gonna talk about that in the next episode and hopefully oh, yeah. piss a lot of people off because I'm in the mood. Oh yes. Right. Do it. I'm Mark and I am at THW Black and Gold and we thank you all again for the support. We've uh, we're coming up on three thousand listens. We really appreciate it. We gotta really thank the hockeywriters.com for letting us on their uh, panel and uh, exposing us to the uh, two to three million uh, viewers that they attract um, every month. So thanks to them, thanks to the fans, and thanks you both for showing up today. And look forward to talking to you guys again, and we'll see you next week. See ya. All right. for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.